following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. You know, when I was driving in this morning, I looked down at my, my fuel gauge, and I had a moment of panic because I didn't think I had fuel, and I looked down, and I'm like, thank God I have gas, because how many of you, like me, have been driving out there on the open road somewhere on a long trip, and it's getting lower, you don't realize it, and then the light comes on, and you're like way out there somewhere, and the light's on, and you're like, oh, please God, please God, please God, right, right? And you know you're driving on fumes, and you don't know when the next gas station, I've even got off looking for a gas station, you can't find one, you gotta get back on again, which is like totally counterproductive when you're on fumes, and it's worse if you're going up a hill, you're like, please God, I think I can, I hope I can. I pray I can get up and say, oh, it's terrible. It's like the worst feeling in the world. You're like, God, if you get me out of this, I'll always drive around with a full tank, I promise. <laughs> and then sometimes, if you're like me, it happens physically, where you're a little tired, a little burned out, some, maybe early in the morning or late in the afternoon, maybe you have some important things to do and you're just totally exhausted, tired, and you need a little extra fuel when you're running on fumes. I have to admit I pray, but I add something to my prayer when I'm like that. A little bit of chocolate, a little bit of coffee. Helps me get through that last little, get, helps me off, off again on the second half. So physically, sometimes we're running on fumes, we're running low. What about spiritually? What do we do spiritually when you're running on fumes? The gauge is down to empty. The light is on, and maybe you've been driving with that light on. Running on fumes, spiritually speaking. Well, that's not a new concept. A lot of people have this issue. I do too. I go from time to time and I find myself running on fumes. And I want to share uh, something presented in the Word of God today that is God's cure for empowering His people. That literally, you and I can be Spirit-filled, Spirit-filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a principle in the Bible that I want to unpack a little bit when we talk about this topic. Um, this is an interesting topic because uh, it's gotten interesting airplay over the years. When you talk about being spirit-filled or filled with the Holy Spirit, which the Bible calls it, what does that even mean? Um, and so there's a few camps. One of the camps is I have no idea what that even means, which is cool. We're going to unpack that today. Um, there's another camp where um, what had happened over time is there was this rediscovery, and I say a rediscovery because it's in the Bible, and the early church lived this as a reality, and over time, it kind of got quenched out and not talked about and really uh, not experienced and uh, not even offered, but then there was kind of a renewal of, wow, the Bible says this, and if the Bible offers an experience, I highly recommend you get in on every biblical experience God has for you. I'm not saying chase every experience, but if it's a biblical experience, I highly recommend you pursue every biblical experience God has for you. I know I do. If God says this is available, I want in on it. Well, there was a season of time where the church was waking up to this. About 100, 120 years ago, the church was starting to wake up to this reality of God's power and his provision uh, to empower you for ministry and to do things that you simply can't do 
on your own, and it's a pretty cool season of time, but what started to come out of this, and this is where uh, maybe you were raised in one of these camps, uh, one camp started to say, wow, we get it now, we know what this is about, we have been filled with the Spirit, pointing to the other camp, saying, you guys haven't. And then what has happened in a family of believers, in the body of Christ, is people created like a second-class citizens. And there are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. There are no second. We're all the children of the Most High God. Through Jesus Christ, we're a family. There's an equality. There's no one's better than or higher than. But this is what happened. This camp was saying, well, we have been filled with the Spirit, and you guys don't even have the Holy Spirit. Right? Not, not healthy. And then this camp over here saying, oh yeah, well, what you guys are doing is not even from the Holy Spirit. You're a bunch of heretics. And this happened as well. So it kind of got into this thing going on. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. That's not the heart of God. And that's not what scripture says. But the word of God lays out a beautiful example of the way this is supposed to work and what our understanding is supposed to be. So maybe today you're from the position where you don't even know about this baptism or filling of the Holy Spirit. Stay tuned because it's very cool. Or maybe you're from a camp where you were told that's kind of crazy when you say yes to Jesus. That's about as spirit-filled as you'll ever be and just move on. Maybe you were told that. Many people are. I think you're going to see it gets a lot deeper, wider, and more exciting than that. Or maybe you're from a camp that was told, well, if you don't do this, then you're not filled with the Spirit, and those people aren't. And be careful with that one because God's got a way better place to land. In Israel's history, there was a time where they were running on fumes and they just couldn't get it done. Uh, they came back from captivity and it's one of my favorite verses. It's Zechariah 4, 6. It's like a life verse to me. Um, but they come back from captivity and they've been in captivity and they have to travel all the way back and then they come back to Israel and they're gonna rebuild the temple which is a pretty overwhelming task. See, the last temple was built under Solomon's rule and Israel was really well endowed. They were a, a, a rich nation, a large nation, and they built this amazing temple. But now they come back from captivity, temple's ruined. They're gonna build it again and they're like, oh no, how are we gonna do this? I mean, we don't have the stuff, we don't have the people, we don't have the supplies. We don't. And they feel like they're running on fumes. And God shows up and he sees that. He sees when I am running on fumes, he sees when you are running on fumes. And we have these things in front of us to do. And we say, how are we going to get it done? And the answer is not a good cup of coffee and chocolate. That's not the answer. The answer is way bigger than that. And God shows up on the scene in Zechariah 4, 6 and says, guys, I totally see where you're at. He goes, let me tell you something. It's not going to be by strength. It's not going to be by might. It is going to be by the power of my spirit. You ain't going to get it done on your own, God's saying. But by my spirit in you and through you, oh, watch out what can happen. When the spirit of God is moving through his people, it's like light switches turning on, it's on. It's a whole nother season and, and way of life. And yet sometimes we default back to trying harder and trying to get it done and getting burned out and running on fumes. Well, you know, Jesus speaks to this uh, spiritual reality about his spirit, people being filled with his spirit as a, as a documented time in history in the church, early believers. And I want to set this up for you a little bit, um, just a little bit of understanding, because when I know when we talk about the topic of the Holy Spirit, you know, some have the view, well, if, 
if you believe in Jesus, you have all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to have. Let me qualify. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are sealed. Everyone say sealed. Sealed. Scripture says you are sealed. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit as a sign or a mark of your redemption. In other words, when when hell walks into the room and sees you, hell knows, uh uh-oh, that's one of his. They're sealed with the Spirit. When we die, it's not a matter of, well, there's a judgment of rewards, but a heaven and hell judgment you don't have because you're sealed with the Spirit. You're blood bought through the blood of the Lamb. You're sealed, so every believer has the seal, the deposit of the Holy Spirit. In John's gospel, John chapter 20, verse 22, he called the apostles. First, he told them, look, I promise I'm going to send you guys. You're going to have the Spirit. The Spirit's going to help you guys. He's going to show you. He's going to teach you. But then he gathers the apostles around and he says this in John 20, 22. It says, Jesus breathed on them and told them, receive the Holy Spirit. These are apostles who believe Jesus died on the cross. They've soon to see him resurrected. They believe and and Jesus breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit. But a little bit later, a little bit later, Jesus gives the uh, great commission right before he goes to the cross. And this is where I want to pick this up. And uh, if you want to open your Bibles, Acts chapter 1 is where we begin. But I want to read a couple of these uh, little aspects to set up this. This is Jesus' last words, uh, you know, after he rose from the dead. Matthew 24, uh, he says this, and you can camp out in Acts, and I'm going to get there. But his last words are this. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying this to everyone that followed him. First, he said, understand who I am, turn and follow me. This is the theme throughout scripture, all the gospel narratives, turn and follow me. Some said yes, some said no, but the ones who did got in on a journey of a lifetime. When they followed Jesus, he said, learn from me, learn from me. And as they walked with Jesus, they literally learned from Jesus. They learned everything he was teaching them. And, and then at the end, he said, imitate me. <laughs> as you've seen me done, you do also. And that's a really cool concept. But how are we going to do that? I mean, how are we going to do what Jesus did? That is a tall order. We talked a little about this last week. It's a very tall order. Well, here is where this comes. Jesus is saying, go public. I'm going to send you. You're going to have authority. And the believer's going, we get the principle, we get the principle, but how are you really going to be with us? And how is it that we're actually going to go out in a spiritual authority if you're not personally walking with us? I mean, physically, Jesus. It's a really good question. Well, in Luke 24, 49, as Luke records the last account of Jesus' final words, he says this. Jesus says, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed clothed with power from on high. In other words, he's saying, you guys are going to represent me. You guys are going to go public. I know you believe in me. I know you follow me. I know you want to represent me, but wait, wait, wait. You're not ready. I want you to go into the city, hang out there and wait because you're going to get clothed with power from on high. This is God's words. These are believers. These are believers who believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus already breathed on them, received them. 
They believe this stuff. But he's like, guys, wait until you are clothed with power from on high. And you're thinking, what does that even look like? I mean, if you're to get a visual, what does it look like to be clothed with power from on high? Because that is something that's got their attention. Like, what exactly is that? It's very, very cool. If you can picture uh, what that looks like. And so if you look at Luke chapter one, uh, I mean, excuse me, Acts chapter one, I want to continue in this, in this uh, passage right here, but here we get this narrative that continues, well, what is this being clothed with God's power? What does it mean that God is going to pour out his spirit on? What does it mean? What does it look like? And so Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke, is also writing Acts, and he continues right where he left off. He left off saying, wait in Jerusalem till you're clothed with power from on high. And then he starts out in Luke chapter one. And if you have your Bibles, follow along. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all, the, all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, baptized with the Holy Spirit is a concept that was unknown in the culture. People that were, that were Jewish that finally acknowledged Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, this concept of being baptized with the Spirit is a foreign concept. People were water baptized, but baptized with the Spirit, foreign. Uh, it's an interesting part, part of time, but bap- the word baptize, in Greek, it's baptizo, and it literally means to be immersed in water. If you can picture a ship sunken in the bottom of the ocean, fully engulfed, fully, fully, fully engulfed, Jesus is saying, you are going to be like that, fully, fully immersed, but not in water, in the Holy Spirit. And they're thinking, what is that? I mean, all they knew of the Holy Spirit in the Jewish culture, they knew some of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know a lot about the Holy Spirit. It wasn't an everyday conversation about the Spirit of God and how God works. But they did know that once in a while, the Spirit of God came upon prophets to do a certain job, to do a certain work. Like God would show up and His Spirit would come upon somebody for some cool thing. But it wasn't about God's Spirit on everybody. They didn't, that's, that's, That's something that was a little foreign to them. But there was this prophecy in the Old Testament, and it was really cool. There was this prophecy in the book of Joel, and it's Joel 2.28. And this prophecy was this. There's going to be a day when God's Spirit, who lives in the temple, God's Spirit lives in the temple. God's Spirit led the Israelites through the desert by the cloud by day and fire by night the principle of God's spirit coming on certain people once in a while to do a certain task. They knew about that. But the prophecy of Joel was way bigger than that. The prophecy of Joel is there's going to be a day coming when God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Huh? Yep, there's going to be a day coming. 
And it's not going to be faith like you know it, Israel. Faith was like this historically, but there's a day coming. And it's when Messiah comes. It's when the kingdom of God becomes a reality and people can step into it. That is when this season is going to be where the spirit of God is going to be poured out on all flesh and says that sons and daughters will prophesy. Well, only the prophets prophesy. Yeah, not anymore. (laughs) Really? Yes. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, sons and daughters of God prophesy and young men get visions and old men dream dreams. And these aren't random dreams or dreams that don't make any sense or visions that don't make any sense. These are from the Spirit of God. God's Spirit pouring out on all flesh where there's dimensions of really supernatural things, spiritual things that come from God that he's going to pour out on his children. And these guys are saying, the, the apostles in the upper room, is this what he's talking about? We've been waiting a long time for this day when God's going to pour out a spirit and Jesus says, you guys are going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, you guys, and you're going to be clothed with power from on high and the power is the word dunamis where we get our word dynamite from. It's a supernatural capacity. It's an ability that we don't have and this is so important to come to terms with because there are so many things that we uh, can get in on in life that are not going to be done by our strength or by our might. It's going to be by the Spirit of God. And yet he's saying, listen, I want to pour out my Spirit and clothe you with power from on high. And this word uh, literally means the dunamis, the dynamite word of power means to be enabled with miraculous power or ability, literally strength for a certain work. Just the way God came upon people in the Old Testament randomly, he's like, I want to pour out my Spirit on all my children. I want all my children to be filled. It's going to be a time where sons and daughters will prophesy, which means speaking forth the oracles of God. It means speaking forth the heart of God. Some prophecy is future. Some prophecy is forth speaking. So it's foretelling and forth telling. Does that make sense? Foretelling and forth telling is prophecy. And Paul says to the New Testament believer, desire prophecy. He's telling you and me, desire prophecy. Don't say, well, that was just for the... No, the word is alive. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. He says, desire prophecy. Desire to speak on behalf of God. And now here's what's so huge about that. That's not something we can make up. That's not something we can just wing it. That's not something we can have a good idea and say, I think this is from God. But if the spirit of God is inside us and we can check everything with the word because we got to check the word because we got to know what is from the spirit and what isn't. If it's in the word and the spirit's stirring you, then he empowers you to do these things that are in the word. And part of that is prophesy to speak forth. Think of how much our city would change if we all left here today and we prophesied. Can you even imagine? I don't know what happened in the news, but this group left this house of God and started to infiltrate the city and prophesy. They they believe in Jesus and they follow Jesus, but something changed. They were clothed with power from on high and then they began to imitate Jesus, which is something the city hasn't really seen. What would that be like? (laughs) I believe that's what God's calling us to be. That's what he's calling us to do, to not just learn about him, but to get in on every biblical experience and provision he has including 
this filling and this baptism of the Holy Spirit to be immersed like a ship under the ocean that is fully engulfed in the power and presence of the Most High God so that you and I are not running on empty, but we're running on full and the life of the Spirit is flowing out of you and I and then we become life changers to others, not because we got it going on, but because God simply chose to do something through us. Therein lies the beauty. And that's the heart of God for this prophecy of Joel. Someday I'm going to pour out my spirit. And this is a reality. Some understand what this is, and I think get in on it. Others don't, and all they do is critique it. But it's a biblical experience for the New Testament believer, and I would encourage you, I don't know what you've been taught or what you know about it, but rethink it, check your word, and again, be careful about running a life chase and experience, but if it's in the word of God, pursue every biblical experience that's offered to you. Why wouldn't you? If Jesus says, I have provision, why wouldn't we get in on the provision, the fullness of his provision? So he's like, you guys are going to be clothed with power, this dynamite power, to be enabled to do things you can't do. And I am telling you to go public, go ye therefore everywhere, but wait till you get power. Don't go anywhere till you get power. So when I look at this topic and there's some debate over what is this baptism of the Holy Spirit or filling of the Holy Spirit. It's right here in Scripture. But what is it? I think we know. Since Jesus said, I'm going to send you out, but don't go public until you get power, we know one great way to qualify if you want to describe what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is it to be filled with the Spirit? It is a baptism of service. It's a baptism of service. If you're a note taker, you might want to write that down. But it is a baptism of service. And I say that because this wasn't the group of people in this story that were sitting up on the hill. Remember when Jesus multiplied the fishes and loaves? They weren't having sushi and pita bread going, sure, we'll take the Holy Spirit too. Give us pita bread, we'll take some sushi, and yeah, we want that. That's not who this was getting, getting in on this in the story. This was a group of believers saying, God, we're yours We're not our own. We are yours. And we want to go public. And we want you to work through us. You know, we're not our own anymore. We love you. We're giving our life to you. And God's like, oh, wow, what can I do with a life like that? Hmm. You guys are in store for the gift of a lifetime. You guys are going to get an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is a game changer that will change your life and the lives around you. These are the people in the story. And so in this past, and the irony, it says, Jesus told them, this is going to happen to you in a few days. In a few days. The prophecy of Joel that we were looking forward to, this, in a few, yep, in a few days. They're like, wow, what? we don't even know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be cool. So it goes on in verse 6, and it says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, you're going to go public. You're going to go where I send you, where your feet take you to every sector of life. And by the way, we're in LA from Jerusalem. We're at the ends of the earth. So it started in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and it's spread around the globe to people who love God, who are committed to Jesus with the Spirit moving through them till the ends of the earth. From the glo- I mean, we're right where God has you. This is where you belong. 
Um, you are where you are for a reason. And God is very strategic about his placement with people. And so don't think you're in L.A. by happenstance. Don't think you're here by coincidence. Don't you think it was just some random decision? God is way bigger than that and way more powerful than that in his, in his sovereign orchestration. And God has you here for such a time as this. And there's a bigger picture going on. And we are here at, from Jerusalem's standpoint, the ends of the earth, the epicenter of influence to the world, the globe. Influence comes from our city more than any other city on the planet. God has you here for a reason. And like them, he says, you're going to get power so you can go public. And this is really cool. It says in verse 12, just to skim across this on the topic. Then they returned to Jerusalem. They went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And they all joined together constantly in prayer, a group numbering about 120. Um, You know, when I look at scripture, and the Bible doesn't tell us, so we don't know for sure, but uh, this upper room, there was 120 people. Now, I think it's pretty safe to say that after everything Jesus did for three years, raising the dead, casting out demons, and I mean, calming seas and feeding 5,000 on a few occasions and all these other things, I think there were a lot more believers than 120. There were people who believed, but these 120 were in a different zone. Not second-class citizens. Every, you know, believers are believers. We're children of God. But they were in a different zone of God. Mm, I just know, God, you have more, and I want to fully get in on it. And maybe others don't get it, or maybe you're at a place where you don't get it, or maybe you're like, I used to be like that, but now I get it now. No second class. There's no like rate and rank and file. But people that say, God, I believe it's time to step out because you want to do things through your people. I believed in this baptism of service that it's time for me to serve you, but I can't do it in my strength. I'm running on fumes. I need your power. I think that's the group of 120 in this upper room because they got it. And Jesus said, you're going to be baptized with power in a few days. And they're like, we're on it. We get it. We're on it. And we're going to stay there. And we're going to press in. And we're going to pray. And we're going to seek you. And we're not going to leave until you touch us, God. We're not leaving until you touch us. I mean, what, what kind of faith is that? That's not the group up on the hill eating the pita bread and sushi saying, by the way, sure, take a little extra Holy Spirit, why not? No. This is a group of people saying, God, I believe you do want to change the world and we watched you change the world and we followed you and we learned from you and we still make mistakes. No one's perfect, but we're followers. But now we want to imitate you And we know we can't do it in our own strength. But I believe what you said, that you want to send us out and you want us to share with others the things you've shared with us. We believe that and we believe you're going to be with us and you want to give us power to do it. We believe that and we know we can't do it in our own strength. So we're going to camp out and we're going to wait for you, God. And this is where the passage uh, continues in in, in chapter two. And so, um, you know, looking at time out of respect for time, I think I'm going to stop right there and next week we're going to unpack this a little bit more. But this is what I really want to encourage you. I want want to encourage you with the question, are are you ready to serve God? (laughs) I mean, being a believer is great. It's amazing to say yes to you. I believe who you are and follow. That's great. But are you ready to serve him? Because every time I look at this and there's so many different ways I look at this topic It's a baptism for service. And I remember in my own life, 
going, I believe, but I know there's this other dimension in Scripture. I'm not making it up. It's offered in Scripture, and I want to get in on it. And, and I kind of did feel like I was doing things in my own strength. And what was offered is an opportunity for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see in Scripture, and maybe next week we'll look at some of these other times where people were, in fact, filled with the Spirit. It doesn't happen just once, by the way. This comes up five times in the book of Acts. And then it's talked about in the other uh, letters of Paul. So it's, it, there's an ongoing theme about being filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-shot occasion, like, off the radar. There's a thing about being filled with the Spirit. And I, and I thought, you know what? I had to come to terms with that. I think I'm ready to serve God. I'm not just want to be a believer. I think I'm ready for God to do things through me. I'm, I'm willing to surrender, and it takes surrender. That's all it takes. It doesn't take talent. It doesn't take brilliance. It doesn't take radical giftedness. It just takes surrender, but that's huge. It's the most powerful thing you could ever do in your life is surrender to the, to the living God. It took surrender to say, yes, I surrender. I believe in you, but I surrender even more. I want you to do whatever you want to do in my life. And that became the prerequisite for this group of people, the 120 you see in the upper room. And I want you to camp out on that thought this week and think about that. Do, is that what you really want? Because this isn't like a test drive, like, oh, let's go down and test drive the car and kick the tires, you know, whatever, check it out. Got nothing to lose, no. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is not like that. There's an outpouring, a filling of people who say, God, I get it, I want it, I need that. There's no life for me outside of that. And I know everyone's in a different part of your walk and you know, I was too for a while, and I don't know where everybody's at, but I, I want to encourage you to really pray and search your heart this week on that exact topic. And after next week's service, we want to lay hands on people and pray because we see through uh, some of the passages in the Bible where this pouring out of God's Spirit occurred it was through the laying on of hands. And, and we see this modeled in Scripture. And again, we're a biblical people. We believe fully in the word of God and its authority and we believe in the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit and we check our experiences but if God offers you a biblical experience an experience in the Holy Spirit to empower you to equip you and it's in the word you got to look at it real close and I hope and pray you desire that and want that but you got to be ready too because this isn't something you go yeah give it a shot it's not that if, if, if it's a if you're thinking about maybe giving it a shot, just hit pause and maybe approach this some other time in your life. I mean it honestly. I, I, I don't know how to say it any more straightforward, but I want to speak the truth and love on this. But if you are at the place saying, yeah, I want God to do things through me. I'm not my own, I'm his, which is a huge statement. But I also know I'm running on fumes. I can't do it without God's power. This is the perfect qualifier for being filled with the Holy Spirit. And there was a day in my life where... Um, I read all the scripture regarding this topic. I wanted to explore it. I wanted to read, not just commentary, what other people say, because if you read commentary, you're going to find maybe this camp or you're going to find this camp. I told you about the different camps earlier. There's a beautiful camp in the middle where there's no second-class citizens, but it's a biblical experience. You want to get in on it. And, and, and this is where we're sharing this from. We're not in, we don't want to be polarizing here, but I want to be true to, to the word of God and the spirit of God. I, I read all this scripture about this topic. I said, God, I, I, want, I need that. I need that. I can't, I can't be used by you in my own strength. It's not, it's not a game changer. It's, it's not going to be effective, God. I want you to do things through me. 
Well, there was a day where this was offered in my life many years ago. And so after praying about it and really seeking God and pressing in and getting my own heart prepared in the right place, that's when I went forward for this opportunity. And it was a day that changed my life. It changed my life because when it says that they were filled with the Spirit, and we're going to read more last week, filled with the Spirit, my experience lined up with the experience in Scripture. And when your experience doesn't line up with Scripture, I'd say proceed with extreme caution. (laughs) But if your experience lines up with Scripture, that's like, wow, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Spirit of God is alive, and He's doing things in His people. Why do you think He's called the living God? He's the living God because He is alive. And He is so alive, He wants to do living things through us that we can't pull off on our own, guys. How many of you know we can't get it done on our own? I mean, you got to know that. If you think you can pull it off on your own, you don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But as soon as you say, I can't, and I agree, God, it is not by strength or by might. It's by the power of your spirit. I get it, God. I, I finally get it. Bingo. That's the qualifier. And then you say, God, use me any way you want. I, whatever you want to do, God. I'm not my own. I belong to you. Oh, watch out. Because the eyes of the Lord go throughout the whole earth looking for hearts that are completely his so he can strongly support them. That's the modality of God. If you humble yourself in his sight, he lifts people. This is what God does. God does these things. He's looking for children that are surrendered to him in a way that he can move powerfully through. This has been his modality through history and he's not gonna change. And so on this note, we're gonna close in prayer, but I wanna really encourage you to really ask yourself, am I, am I ready for this? I mean, because if you're not, no prob. Hit the pause button, pray about it if you are. I really want you to seek God this week on this and say, God, I think I'm ready for this. And read about the filling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, in this book of Acts and see what happened. Read this passage a couple times yourself. Uh, ask God, am I ready for this? I, do I want you to use me, God, in new ways? And if you are ready, and if you prepare yourself, because I think you've got to get ready, this group was in the upper room, they were checking their heart, and they were getting ready. They weren't eating sushi and pita bread and saying, sure, I've got to get to lose, bless me too. They were in a zone of God, we get it, we're going to wait, we want that, we're taking it serious, and sure enough, they got a gift of a lifetime that changed them and everybody around them. I want to encourage you guys to do that. I believe revival is coming to our city. I believe God is raising up an army. I believe the school of ministry is a perfect indicator of God stirring the hearts of many of you to say, get ready, because tomorrow isn't going to be like yesterday. What I'm going to do next year isn't going to be like years before. I want to do a new thing. I want to do a new work. And the Spirit says, do you not perceive it? And I hope we're people who say, God, I do want to get on what you want to do. I want to partner with you in the revival to come. And there's a preparation, both growing in knowledge and grace and being available in the spirit of God for what he has for us. So I'm gonna close in prayer and let's ask God to seal some of these things in our heart today. Um, Mighty God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of it. I thank you for uh, the gift of your spirit, God. I thank thank you for your spirit uh, who is so alive and personal and seals every believer, Lord. By your spirit, we are drawn to God by your spirit from the outside, and then when we say yes to you, Jesus, your spirit comes and lives inside every uh, believer and seals every believer for their day of redemption, and that's beautiful, and I thank you. And there was some, Lord, who said, 
we want to be used by you and we don't have the power, overflow us, overflow us, fill us, immerse us with your power and your presence. And God, you did it. And you didn't do it once in scripture. You did it again and you did it again and you did it again and you did it again. And there's a reason you have this theme in our lives for, for the New Testament church to say we can't do it in our own strength. It's not by strength or by might. It is by the power of your spirit, you say. And we say yes and amen to that, God. It's by the power of your spirit, God. So I just pray we would be people that we would check our word and say, God, we want everything you have for us, God. When we pray things that are in your word, we are praying your will. We're not making something up. We're not winging it. We are standing on an authority of scripture and, and we make a plea to you uh, for, for more of your power and presence and your spirit in our lives, God. Let us be a church, Lord God, that is changed by your spirit. Let us be a church, Lord God, where your spirit is poured out, where your sons and daughters prophesy and your old men have dreams, young men have visions, God, that you begin to stir us in a way that we would be world changers in the city around us. And, and it wouldn't be because of us, not because of our gifts or talent, but just because we spent time with you and you happen to do something through us, God. That's, they don't even have to know who we are, but we pray they see you, Jesus. That's what we want, God. Have your way with us, Lord. Turn the city upside down, God. You did it in the first century and you did it in every subsequent revival throughout history. You turned cities upside down. Do that to our city, God. We welcome you. We invite you. We thank you and we say, have your way with us, Lord. We ask these things in, in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.